I can't believe Nancy Pelosi personally, Huma Abedin, Hillary Clinton, stem cell, baby bone fetus. I feel like either you or I started having a stroke. Kesugi, or invisible mending in Japanese, is a masterful cloth repairing technique that mends a damaged cloth to precise perfection until you can't even tell it was ever damaged. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. I am Henry. And I'm uh, John real scared because a guy with a chainsaw just jumped out at me at this haunted house and together were haunted henry and chainsaw guy john coming at you to frighten up a few cultural zeitgeist happenings ourselves we're the ones stalking the night this this night (laughs) pretty 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 perfect. You know that fact at the beginning actually reminded me of the uh, very well-known in the West uh, practice of kintsugi. Oh, kintsugi. That's uh, yeah. That's repairing broken, shattered pottery with gold. Yeah, and the uh, very specifically kintsugi as a philosophical, ideological practice is to show that for being broken, something can of course be more. Beautiful and uh, Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie after his divorce from Zoe Deschanel, the uh, new girl, uh, and among other things. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a callback for something that won't be that won't make any sense. <laughs> but uh, what after their divorce, he actually released an album called Kintsugi, and let me tell you, Ben Gibbard, little cringe, little cringe, you know. Not everybody has the uh, the the lyric power of Taylor Swift when it comes to writing about breakups. I'm just saying, I, I appreciate where you're coming from, evoking Kintsugi. You're better for being broken. But someone should just make an album called I'm Sad I Was Divorced. <laughs> like, you don't always have to make... I mean this somewhat seriously. You don't always have to make albums about being okay, you know? You can make albums about not being okay. Right. You're trying to win the breakup, and uh, you're trying too hard. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what Taylor Swift does in literally every song. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but a lot of it's just like... Get off my platform. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying a lot of Taylor Swift songs are like, we broke up and I'm happy now. And I'm like, I get it, but can you make a song that's we broke up and I'm still sad? I think she has a few of those. Okay. Uh, is, isn't there one where it's like, we stayed up, drank champagne, and I'm sad now? <laughs> Yeah, that's the direct quote from Champagne Sadness from her yeah. latest album. Uh, she has a new album coming out. Uh, yeah, Midnight. Called Midnights. With an uh, S. Yeah, based on 13, uh, Ghosts. Sleepless, 13 sleepless nights across her life. And all I have to say is I uh, hope dearly that it is a tie-in to the video game Killer7, which is also about <laughs> insomnia and nightmares. Yep, uh, everyone knows Taylor Swift is a huge Suda51 fan. Biggest Suda51 fan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Suda51 is the auteur video game maker who created uh, Killer7, No More Heroes, I'm sure there are others. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with the others. If you asked uh, seven years ago, John, this question, I'd list them all and the years they were released, but as I get older... My brain is unfortunately removing video game ephemera for useless other facts. Like your social security number and how to file your taxes. <laughs> really a lot of it is tax information, estate information, various state and federal laws. Pretty useless stuff. Yeah. You have a tax question? Don't go to H&R Block. Just email John. Uh, listen, in the past, you could be like, what's insurance? I'd say, I don't know. But do you want to know the real history of Earthbound? I mean, who doesn't? I mean, Earthbound's great. Earthbound's really good. Mother 3 is going to get ported any day now. Never played Mother 1. I'm never either, because it's too esoteric and it's and it's designed for me. As as a douche, as highbrow of a douchey statement that is. I I also have never played the fan translation of Mother Three. I really should. I have. It's a banger for sure. Kind of weird, but I mean, it's the the whole series is very weird. I mean, now I got to replay Earthbound and also Secret of Mana, and also the, Seiken Densetsu Three and Secret the biggest... of Evermore. The biggest takeaway from Mother 3 is that uh, trans women give you powers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is true in real life, so one would hope that it's also true in a video game. Life imitates art, baby. Wait, art (laughs) imitates life, baby. There we go. There we go. Ah, video games that no one gives a shit about. Let's return to the spookiness, John. It's time to get frightened, because I have a gift for you. Oh, I I, I will tell you, I'm uh, excited and terrified, and uh, just to give you some context, after being uh, uh, given the Dyatlov Pass incident gift of last week, I've told everyone that I know. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, because... Uh, Boy, does this going to escalate from here. Oh, I'm sure it will be better, more interesting, more impactful. Yes, John, I didn't, certainly, I would not have picked the best story first. Uh, so for those of you, for those of you who need to know what the stakes are, uh, last week I gave John the gift of uh, potentially solving one of his favorite unsolved mysteries of all time and the Love Pass incident 
Uh, it's his favorite one. He talked about it on the show before. He was he was head over heels with the information and the news. I, I mean, kind of bittersweet because it was solved. Uh, so this week, I have to change his life in even more irrevocable, irrevocable, irrevocable ways. Yeah, I, and listen, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've I've mourned my old life, but I understand that after whatever you're about to tell me next, my life will be uh, yet further changed. A recoccable of a irrevocable, irrevocable, irrevocable. If I just keep mashing the syllables together, I won't have to do this great bit I have planned. <laughs> Perfect. John, I know, and you know, that you have shared on the podcast before your favorite movie of all time. Oh, this this changes throughout the years, so I'm 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 wondering what it is. You have told the podcast on many occasion that you would kill murder for a sequel to this movie. And John, you better start sharpening your knives. Oh, sharpening my killing sequel knives for finally the sequel to House. The the Wait, cult is Japanese your favorite, horror movie. It's your favorite movie, the the cult Japanese movie House. I don't know. It's it's like I said, it, it changes over time. Okay, well, um, at one time you had told the podcast that this was your favorite movie. And if you didn't tell them, you told me in secret. Uh, it, it is a bit of a curveball because it's being uh, greenlit by Tubi. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but it is being directed by one of the principal cast. So that's that's pretty exciting. Because who would better know the characters and what potential storylines could exist than one of the principal cast? I'm concerned. <laughs> That's right, John. Your favorite movie, The Animal, starring Rob Schneider, is mm-hmm. getting a sequel that's going to be starring and directed by that same said Rob Schneider. Oh my god, they're finally giving Rob the chance. Yes, more than two decades after The Animal was released, the Rob Schneider comedy is getting a sequel on Fox's Avod program. <laughs> 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 <Sorry>. <laughs> What is AVOD? Something video on demand? <laughs> Artificial video on demand. I'm sorry, did they just drop that acronym without an explanation? Because yes. I don't think I don't, that's a thing. I don't know what that means, but they're Fox's AVOD platform to be. <laughs> Uh, um, amazing. You know, I did tell you on many occasions that if they made a sequel to Rob Schneider's The Animal, it would kill people. <laughs> well, regardless, your knives will be sharpened because Schneider is back and will reprise his starring role as you you know the name of his character, and so do I. Ah, the, the famous character, the main character in The Animal, by the way, Avod apparently stands for Advertising-Based Video on demand and of course his character's name is marvin yes marvin mange a police evidence clerk whose behavior changed after he got animal parts transplanted following a critical injury i did not know the premise of the (laughs) animal until now i believe in once again it's my favorite movie in the maybe one and a half times i've seen the animal in my entire life i believe he just like 
gets animal-like traits at opportune or inopportune moments. Okay, so he doesn't. He can't control it. Yeah, I think he can't control. I think like if he sees a hot lady, he gets horny like a dog, and if he sees a no. bird, he eats it. But sometimes he runs <laughs> fast like a cheetah. <laughs> if he sees a bird, he eats it. You know, like the predator of a bird. Yeah, you know, like Rob Schneider might do. He also co-wrote the script, produces, and will direct the sequel, whose green light hinges on Fox finalizing a deal with the studio behind the original film, Revolution. Wait, this isn't... Wait. It's not a done deal. Is this a pending news story? Deadline. Get your shit together. This is... I'm sorry. Deadline thought it was important to deliver what is essentially speculation (laughs) about the release of a sequel to The Animal starring Rob Schneider, directed now and written in part now by Rob Schneider. I mean, uh, the funny thing is they have so much information, this Deadline article. Uh, in keeping with the theme of the movie, the official logline for the sequel, tentatively titled The Animal 2, uh-huh. breaking new ground, is as follows. Marvin Mange, now an old dog, needs to learn new tricks as he hunts down a new uber animal with powers far beyond his own. Okay, that tagline's way too long. Yeah, that's not that... Well, it's a log line, so I guess that's, well, yeah, that's, okay, yeah. that's an elevator pitch. But is this going to be the gritty sequel that we need? <laughs> <laughs> because it sounds like we're going like noir detective. Like there's I a mean, new uber animal in town. Talking about uh, this this uber animal makes me feel like there's some kind of saber tooth situation. Like uh, who could he be taking on? Is Is this a crossover? I mean – I'm personally concerned, I think, for a reason that maybe you're not aware of. And that is, of course, that Rob Schneider has been on his... uh... It's very common now for actors who used to have some degree of prominence who are now, I swear to God, in their late 50s to go on their cancel me tours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Rob Schneider has been on his... Pay attention slash cancel me tour for the past like five years. Yeah, he is desperately he is he has been displaying a disturbing amount of pick meism about getting canceled for a number of years now, and it's just not taking. I mean, that being said, I will say he has more pull than we do because we tried to get a sequel to the Animal Two made and it went nowhere. Yeah, we were we were beating shoe leather up and down Hollywood Boulevard, you know uh, yeah. where, where all the where all the major film production places are, Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah, not Sunset uh, Avenue or anything. Hollywood Boulevard, uh, in in Grapevine, Texas. Yeah, we we were slapping leather trying to get the Animal Two sequel out the door. And our log line, I think you remember, it was it wasn't as succinct or effective. I will say. Yeah, no, it was a bit more meandering than the official log line. Yeah, I, I believe the log line was the Animal Two. You remember the hot chick? Rob Schneider was in the hot chick, and also Deuce Bigelow, male slash European gigolo. And it it's like the hot chick and the animal. He's a hot female animal. Rob Schneider, hot female animal. Right. And they kept asking. We would get surprisingly. We got a lot. Uh, we got in a lot of offices. We got a. Uh, we got in for a lot of pitch meetings. Mm-hmm. And the first and only question everyone 
had was, is Rob Schneider attached? And when we said no, but we don't need him, they kindly showed us the door. Yeah, no, we we were saying, we got pretty desperate initially. We were saying, you know, it's not necessary that actors reprise their role. What's really important is that you get the spirit of the character. And then eventually, as time went on, we started to invest pretty heavily in deep fake technology uh, to to recreate Rob Schneider in our comps. But of course, our comps were just JPEGs of Rob Schneider that we would move around with a mouse uh, over various videos of um, National Geographic and pornography. We We tried everything in these pitch meetings. We said it's a new form of animation. We said, oh, we're going in a different direction. It's going to be more of like The Last Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) It's important. The the message of the animal, too, is kill the past. You don't need the past. You don't need the past. To have a good future. Uh, He's horny like a dog and he eats a bird. All the classic Last Jedi style stuff. We we tried every trick in the book. But, I mean, so all I just I just want to say he's got more pull than we do. But he is desperately trying to get canceled. Yeah, he's really trying to get canceled. And, you know, once again, he has uh, – this is the one arena in which we and Mr. Schneider are roughly equally matched because we have also been trying to get canceled and not really getting a lot of traction because people don't care. Uh, so in that, we can commiserate with Mr. Schneider. Yes, exactly. Uh, I do there, the, the, for this being a tentative pending deal. The the writer of this deadline article seems to know a lot about the movie. I'm going to say the writer of this deadline article. Not to like, I think journalism's important, and I don't think you should uh, resort to ad hominem attacks against journalists under almost any circumstances. Uh, but I feel like this journalist maybe knows a disturbing amount of what's going on behind the scenes down to knowing that Tubi is an AVOD <laughs> service and, and knowing in fact the the essentials of the deal and what has yeah. to be done to make this happen. Well, and I also and even, noticed that the the writer of this article is one Saab Renider. <laughs> but even to go as go as far as like a little details from the script uh this person writes I hear in it, Marvin, now retired, gets into an accident and has to be put together again with new animal parts. He goes <laughs> on to take a baddie who is threatening a village. Oh, hold on, what? He goes on to take on a baddie who is threatening <laughs> a village. Is this a quote in the article? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Direct quote. <laughs> Uh, a baddie who is threatening a village. A direct quote from whom? Oh no, I was directly quoting the article. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. I um, I'm I'm also seeing that I I can't tell if you're being serious. I'm also seeing that he is a bad boy with a little <laughs> bit of panache. Uh, yeah, bad boy with a little bit of panache, mm. and he's so excited to work with. Who is it? Margot Robbie? <laughs> Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. Yes. That's offensive to blonde women everywhere. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, Schneider co-wrote the script with his wife, Patricia Schneider, and writing partner, Jamie Lisso. Uh, content partners, Revolution Studios, and Fox-owned Marvista Entertainment, which specializes in production and distribution for movies for cable and streaming. Uh, Tubi is distributing. Thanks for that. 
information. I, I I'm just I'm done with the article now. That is other than to say the 2001 The Animal drew mixed reviews but performed well at the box office grossing 84.8 million dollars worldwide and on a 47.8 million dollar budget and has since become a cult hit. I don't know about that. I mean, it's my favorite movie of all time, but I don't know about that. Oh my god, this next sentence is delicious. Are Mm. you ready for a meal? Uh, Absolutely. The green light for The Animal 2 continues the trend of movies getting sequels decades after the original, uh, illustrated by the blockbuster success of Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) This? (laughs) The logical leap you have to make to compare The Animal 2 to Top Gun Maverick is, that's a bridge that no one wants to build. I really want to examine the brain (laughs) of the person who wrote this article This is, I'll be honest with you, for movies I've been truly excited about, I haven't known this much about what's going on behind the scenes before anything is concrete ever, even for for franchises I dearly love. This is so crazy, too, because we're so far out from a final product that there are so, like... I got maybe I gotta give I gotta give the writing team of Schneider and Schneider props because apparently they have planned out everything before going out looking for for a, a distribution model somewhere. I wonder if this is because um, <clears throat> clearly Rob Schneider really um, real media savvy. I wonder if he's just like peppering these outlets with details about the animal so that Fox can't help but but make that deal with revolution or whoever they need to, to make it happen. Yeah, no, I guarantee this is like a, it's a marketing strategy. It's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to look, I got to contact a deadline. Their name is Saab Reiner. Yeah. No relation. Why (laughs) do you say no relation? It's a different last name. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, Honey, it's a different last name. You didn't need to say that. It's like, well, we will, we will pepper so many details into our, our pitch for the article. And, you know, it's a cult hit now, the animal. Everyone is going to be so excited that we're making it. There's going to be a groundswell. We're going to be able to use that as leverage in the negotiations to get like 6% on the back end of Tubi. And then his wife has to step in. There's no back end. It's 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 all up front when you do streaming. There's no points on the back end because there's no box office. Because like, but we'll have the point. We'll take it to Twitter. We'll hire a bunch of bots (laughs) and we'll start hashtag release the Schneider cut of the animal two where he's horny like a dog and eats a bird. It's like it's look, they already have Snyder cut. It's so close. I thought for years they were asking for me to release a cut of Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo. And I have it, you know. <laughs> I have the Schneider cut. I wasn't it the exists. director or anything, but I, I cut my own version of that movie. I just put a lot of <laughs> other pornography in it. <laughs> He just replaced all the implied sex scenes with full pornographic films that he owned. Yeah, it's like that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia (laughs) joke where it's like, we're going to show full penetration. (laughs) He, uh, it's just like Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, but whenever there's an implied sex scene, it cuts to uh, a very grainy (laughs) 
low quality cell phone video that Rob Schneider clearly <laughs> shot himself of oh, a television no. playing oh. pornography on it. Oh, Rob. No, Rob. This isn't how you do it, buddy. But it is in black and white and in 4-3. Oh. <laughs> The no, no, wait, the justice is blind cut. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the justice, the animal is blind cut. Well, one of the animals is colorblind. Actually, most of them are. Yeah, it's how animals would see the movie. Oh, now I want the, sh- the sh- oh, I'm going to mix up the names. Now I want the, uh, the Schneider, it's pronounced the same. No, no, Schneider. Schneider and Schneider. Yeah, I want the Schneider cut of the animal that's in black and white. Absolutely. I need it. This would be, not to give away free ideas, an incredible Twitter jag is to like cut together a trailer of the animal, but in black and white and four three, and like hashtag release the Schneider cut. Uh, immediate hundred million likes and zero new followers. Yeah, this is it. This is how we make our. Uh, what, what do we call it? bag our bag our twitter bag yeah this is how we make our twitter bag off of the the schneider cut we've gone viral on twitter it's not it's not worth anything it really doesn't do anything for you it doesn't move the needle in any direction people like thousands of people see the tweet double digits go like actually click through to the profile and like maybe single digits like click on the website it's 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 such a numbers game of content these days. It's just like, don't even participate. Yeah, I mean, the the actual answer is, unfortunately, uh, what flies in the face of, like, American wealth fantasies is, like, you just have to be cringy and slightly viral for years and years and years uh, to develop an actual base. Whereas if you do one thing that's really good, uh, almost nothing will happen for you. Yeah. But the Schneider cut is different. The Schneider cut is different. And uh, I'm now remembering that I always pronounce the Schneider cut the Schneider cut, but this was the deep cut joke. I was talking about the black and white cut of the animal the entire time. Yeah, this is lo- this is years in the making. Yeah, this is what they call uh, the deep state. Yeah, we, we in fact have created the deep state. I'm... Uh, I'm sad, I guess, because I, I don't know. Rob Schneider's cancel me tour is something that I'm pretty invested in, uh, because it's really sad. Uh, and I kind of wish that he would get canceled because he seems like the kind of personality who would then try to capitalize on that and make the animal too like the animal too colon triggered. Like, I I want that. I want him to make the, like, far-right parlor-ass version of the... Not even far-right. Just the, the, the sad, canceled, not-canceled rhetoric version of the animal. Yeah. No, you, you want, like, your, uh, you know, your Kevin Sorbo's, like, God's Not Dead kind of thing, or your, your, your Ben Shapiro's novel that I think is called... I wrote a book about guns or something. Yeah, you you want that. You want him to be sort of faux canceled so he can he could be animal two back in action or something like that. 
Yeah, I want there to be a I want there to be a scene where like he like looks at a like a dog or a giraffe or something and someone's like, "Ah, beautiful isn't he and he's like actually it's a she i can tell because of the pheromones oh did you just misgender that giraffe and they looks at the camera and like gives like a dreamworks face then funky cold medina starts playing way too loud (laughs) and it like stays on his face for like 30 seconds that's what i want now let's get david o russell in here uh he never (laughs) yells he never yells cut, and uh, the, the instead of the, the the close-up on his face lasting 30 seconds, it lasts five full minutes. Meanwhile, Rob Schneider starts saying, like, aren't you going to cut? Like, don't you think this scene has gone a little too far? But then, it, but then, you know, replace Rob Schneider with Christian Bale and all is forgiven. Yeah, I guess. Listen, Christian Bale was good in that movie. We'll fight he about was. this later. I have no problem also, with any Margot of the actors. Also, Margot Robbie was great. All of them have, were great. I have no problem with any of the actors. I have a lot of problems with editing. Listen, you'll find no disagreement here, except slightly. We uh, can't talk about it. We always talk about movies. We don't talk about movies anymore. We don't. Supplemental reading, The Animal 2, coming soon. To a theater near you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Needed. We're going to be in theaters. I don't know how much longer we can talk about Rob Schneider's sad cancel me tour, but anyone listening to this should really like read up on the Schneider verse as of the last five years. It's, I think it's maybe the most illustrative illustrative example of, of what a cancel me campaign looks like for someone of like low to medium fame in their early to late fifties. Like it's a real phenomenon that's happening. It's funny because it doesn't really benefit anybody. I mean, it does benefit them if they get canceled. I mean, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a big bet, but a lot of people have gotten like huge career boosts out of getting canceled, uh, either for uh, their their rhetoric and content, like Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle actually got a huge career boost out of being canceled, or Louis C.K., who got a huge career boost out of being canceled for heinous things it if you can pull it off self-canceling is is huge and then you can release instagram videos where you're like i know the algorithm's gonna suppress me but i have to get the truth out there meanwhile it's 250 million views and no one not a single person watching it manages to like square how they can purportedly be be getting crushed by the algorithm and yet still millions of people see it huh interesting it's almost like it's all theater i mean yeah right i mean i'm looking forward to my cancel me tour i want someone to actually have a like canceled tour like you know, uh, Joe Rogan canceled. <laughs> Joe Rogan canceled, sold out, sold out, sold out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely, yeah. it's going to happen. I, I guess um, you don't do that because then people might think the individual shows were canceled. And like they're like, oh, I need to get my money back. It was canceled. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe. I I will say now I am going to start my canceled tour right here. And I'm going to start with a, a controversial opinion that I don't really believe, but probably enough people will agree with that. Eventually, if I get the ball rolling hard enough, I can self cancel myself. All right, let's do it. Let's hear your take. Okay, here we go. And we all know it's true. 
No one here wants to admit it because they're afraid. But I'm not afraid. I'll say it. Asexuals, not very good at making microwave popcorn. I honestly think we need to bleep that. Listen, if if you if you don't if you're not okay with the truth being proliferated in this podcast, sure, you can bleep that. I'm not afraid. I'm a public figure. People only know my first name, but I'm a public figure and I'm not afraid saying what we're all thinking. Asexuals can't make microwave popcorn. They're very good at making stovetop popcorn and they put a lot of nice accoutrement with it like um like uh, those korean chili flakes and some nutritional yeast they're great at making stovetop popcorn not great at making microwave popcorn i think I, we're running out of the budget our budget can't handle all of this bleeping some of these are going to get through Listen, I just want people to know the truth. I want people to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, cancel me. Cancel me and then I'll create a substack and I'll go on parlor and I'll start a buy buy me a coffee and I'll start a Patreon. And you know what? I'm going to be canceled and yet overwhelmingly popular. And then I can finally fucking retire. John, I don't think this is going to go the way you think it's going to go. I, I think there are uh, a number of people who who have thick enough skin. They don't mind being uh, used as targets for cancelization. Um, asexuals who make microwave popcorn, that's not them. They are the most incised of the, uh, the groups, uh, also the most physically violent. I think this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. Okay, well, if you're an asexual who doesn't know how to make microwave popcorn, you can find me. My address is... Austin, Texas. Now we have to prioritize where we put the beeps, and I think that you, you giving out and spelling every number of your address for some reason... That's going to do it. Like, we're not going to be able to bleep any of the earlier stuff now, because now we have to bleep just your address. Listen, I'm just saying cancel me in person. I think people want to be canceled online. Am I wrong about that? No, they do want to be canceled. No one wants to be canceled in person. What are, you, what are you talking about? Actual confrontation with marginalized groups? Nobody wants that. Oh, okay. They just want they want the badge that says, I've been canceled. And so they can get into the cancel club and eventually star in like a an off, 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 off Hollywood movie production of some type of like persecution porn film. Yeah, I mean, all written. it is is people people just want the perceived value of the consequences for their actions, but they don't actually want the consequences for their actions because in a just world, the consequences for their action is like actual deplatforming and uh, like wide scale declaiming widespread declaiming of people. Uh, but we don't really live in that world anymore. No, no, we don't. We live in a world of, of contrarians and people like me, iconoclasts. No, we don't. We don't live in a world of contrarians. Actually, we live in a world of fucking sheep. There's just two paddocks. Yes, we do. We do. We do live in sheep, Bill. This is hard to, this is hard to act. <laughs> <laughs> 
you ch- you you contradicted and I you flipped my motivation. I don't know what I'm doing. Hi, hi. My name's Haunted Henry, and you're, you're experiencing the frightened times right here on Zero Credits. Is this an ad break? <laughs> no, uh, it is not an ad break. If we did have ad breaks on this podcast, we'd do it smart, where we'd have pre-recorded breaks to ads where I'd be talking to you about something like cancellation and suddenly I go now it's time for a break have you ever wanted a green drink with athletic greens you could have a green drink go to athleticgreens.com forward this is the copy they sent us <laughs> zero credits gives you a green green drink to save 10% on your green drink today and then and then I'd say like and now we're back and then we would continue the conversation yeah, no, I know how we would do it, but we're never going to get no money. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the frightened times and money, huh? Segway? Good one. <laughs> I don't know what the topic is, but good one. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I, I know last week uh, I talked to you about the most terrifying thing that's happening in the world, which is, of course... Uh, remote work and and uh, the erosion of employer trust and employees, despite the fact that productivity has remained on a linear upward trend for the last 140 years and wages have not kept pace and we're actually just being worked to death over time while our employers trust us less and less. Uh, that's scary. But you know what's even scarier, Henry? Um, everything. I'll paint you a picture. You signed up. You're going to the House of Torment. You're going to the the Bat City Scaregrounds. You're going to the Haunted Hayride. You walk in. To your left, Leatherface chopping up a guy. Boo, who cares? To your right, the, <laughs> the clown from it screaming. Bloody murder. Who cares? You walk through a tight... A hallway that's like inflated, like an inflated tight hallway. You can't see where you're going. It's very claustrophobic. That's a little scary. And there's like puffs of air. And you're like, where am I going? You emerge on the other side and you're faced with the scariest demon of all. That's right. The specter of inflation. Oh my God. What? Oh, gee. Oh, I'm going to throw up. I'm so scared. <laughs> That's right. Inflation is so scary, it makes you vomit on sight. It is the bogeyman that everyone is talking about, uh, when in fact, in some ways, it's actually not that big of a deal. But you should probably, if you can, get a raise. To, you, you can use it as a bargaining chip to get a little bit more of a raise if you're in a position to do that anyway. Inflation has uh, an unfortunate uh, but inevitable outcome. You might have heard of shrinkflation, Henry. Your toilet paper is getting a little bit smaller, huh? We we ta- we've we have extensively talked about shrinkflation on this podcast before. You're talking about shrinkflation. I have a new one for you. Ultra shrinkflation. Let's give you one wheat thin per box. <laughs> it just rattles around in there like the ball bearing and spray paint. It costs more to make the box than it does to to put the wheat thin in. I mean, my argument is a lot of these brands should actually probably move to a bulk model where they don't actually have packaging and people can just uh, dispense their own wheat thins from a container. But whatever. No one wants open air wheat thins. 
Uh, there is a, a more insidious form of shrinkflation. That's right. You know how in Tremors there was the graboids. <laughs> in, in Tremors, in Tremors there were the graboids, the big worms that would hear Kevin Bacon. And in Tremors two, they emerged and could walk. And in Tremors three, I think they could fly. Well, we're in Tremors two level of inflation, buddy. <laughs> Okay, so the inflation has come up out of the ground, and now it can walk. Yes, it is uh, a a so called skimpflation. You heard of this? <laughs> no, I haven't, and I'm afraid. Skimpflation. Skimpflation is uh, it. It has been uh, historically throughout the like history of consumer products been a thing. It is now officially starting to hit. Uh, U.S. and U.K. shelves, and people are taking notice. Uh, I think the best way I can explain what skimflation is is with an example that is currently like the number one example in in popular news media. Uh, if you follow very boring things like I do, and that is uh, Con Agra Foods. That's right, great Con Agra Foods, not uh, a company that is has been uh, in the midst of many price-fixing scandals or had to pay the largest criminal fine ever to an American corporation for uh, supplying adulterated, contaminated food. ConAgra Foods, perfect, great. Uh, their Smart Balance plant-based butter spread, over the last few months, consumers noticed a change to the formulation. That's right. Smart Balance's plant-based butter spread has gone from 64% vegetable oil to 39% vegetable oil. Oh, no. In fact, the first ingredient on the label used to be vegetable oil, and now it's water. The uh, oil is expensive, so they just changed it to water. Right, okay, I, I get, okay. I get the idea behind skimpflation now. It's it's taking the goodness of products out and su- uh, repl- substituting them with cheaper alternatives while keeping the same name and packaging and brand recognition in hopes that no one notices. And yet, here we are noticing. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the in the Great Depression, it was not uncommon for ground beef to be bulked up with things like soy flour, even wheat flour. Uh, Certain regulations make that impossible now, but for processed foods with long lists of ingredients, it can be very easy to change the formulation in such a way that you remain competitive in a macro environment of increasing inflation. Uh, and people notice this. Apparently, it doesn't taste as good, whatever. I My taste in plant-based butter is uh, exquisitely Baroque, so I would never touch Smart Balance. Uh, but people were understandably upset about this. This is also being true in products like uh, Scott Tissue, which uh, advertises the same number of sheets, but in fact, the individual slices of of the toilet paper have shrunk by about forty percent. The 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 width, the yeah, the width is it the width depth? They're thinner. volume. They're thinner by about 40%. Okay. That girth? Yeah, the girthiness of the slice has decreased by 40%. This is also true of Folger's Coffee, 
which purports to have 400 scoops per container, yet the net weight is going down. Uh, all of these companies, when reached out to for comment about this, in the case of Smart Balance, they say, uh, we changed the formula so it's more spreadable, but also we're going back to the old formula because people are mad, which just means they were caught. Right, exactly, yeah. You can't change... Uh, okay, like one, people buy the things they like, and like they, they buy food that they like the way it tastes. And uh, I, I don't know about you, I kind of like tend to remember what things should taste like once I've had them a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So if you go ahead and change the formula to save on ingredients, save on cost, but then it affects the taste, you're going to get found out, buddy. It's really interesting the rate at which these companies are doing this and then almost immediately getting found out. In Folger's case, I think this one is particularly interesting because the weight of their packages is decreasing, but they're still advertising the same number of scoops when reached out to for comment. A spokespeople or a spokesperson from Folger's essentially said, we uh, made a new roasting technique that we um, get the most out of the bean. So you get the most goodness per scoop with less unnecessary coffee in it <laughs> and uh, investigations have proven that they just found a new way to like fluff up the coffee to make it take up a bigger volume but be lighter which is uh fascinating uh really really cool research probably went into that uh, but in every case, these these companies are getting caught and then almost immediately going back to the new formulas, which is just to say you need to be careful because when, pri- when, when prices of things are rising, you as a consumer are the first person to get fucked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, the crazy thing is, it's like we moved to Austin. We found higher quality foods than we would have. Then we ate where we came from. Um, just because there are just more options we, and we were trying everything when we moved here. And now I, I go online to do the grocery shopping because I'm still bougie. And I just noticed that like, oh, hey, that milk that used to cost like $4 for a half gallon now costs like $6 for a mm-hmm. half gallon. Maybe we should get some normal water milk rather than good, delicious, organic whole milk. I mean, I, I've started to switch from my typical LaCroix and Waterloo to the HEB brand sparkling water, which, you know, HEB brand sparkling water is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. Lesson learned is. there. But it, it's just something to, to keep in mind uh, as time goes on and, and inflation does not. Also, as a quick aside, you should probably buy some some I-bonds uh, before like October 28th. Speaking of inflation. What's uh, an I-bond? You got to break this down. Uh, this is a big aside. An I-bond is essentially a treasury bond that is meant to be a hedge against inflation. So it's meant to have a rate that is comparable to the current rate of inflation. An I-bond almost never makes sense to buy because inflation is usually under or at 2%. Uh, but when infl- So the rates for I-bonds are set every six months. Uh, so if you buy an I-bond now... It was most recently priced when inflation was crazy. So your current I-bond rate of return is almost 10%, which is guaranteed, kind of, until they change the price. Uh, but it's almost certainly going to be more than you'd get if your money was just sitting out in the like the S&P 500 right now. 
All right. So now, uh, on, on behalf of our listeners and our, our dear fans, uh, how does one buy an Ibon? Uh, you use the Treasury Direct website, which is extremely buggy. You have to enter every piece of text through a virtual keyboard that doesn't work. Most people end up giving up on the return from an Ibon just because of how fucking awful the website is. But you have until October 28th to buy. Uh, in most circumstances, you could buy up to $10,000 of I-bonds per year. You just have to hold on to them for a year before you sell them. And then if you wait five years, you get no penalties. Anytime you sell it before that, you use you lose the last like three months worth of interest. But it's like a, a guaranteed rate of interest that's better than what's in the market right now. So a lot of people are buying I-bonds. Okay. Is there a cap on the amount that can be bought? Is this like a... like? I'm going to miss out or is this like one of those things like uh, it's supposed to help the American population so everyone can use it? Uh, the most you can buy is $10,000 in one year. Okay, but it, it's, there's not a cap on like, okay, but that's only for the first hundred people. No, there is an unlimited people can buy however many I bonds they want to up to $10,000. We're giving the government like a loan. Is that what bonds are? <laughs> yeah. You, essentially, we're, we're give, yeah. You're, you're giving, giving the them government. money. You're Essentially, when someone creates a bond, they're, you're, you're paying them to service debt. So they're creating like an obligation to pay a certain rate of return so they can raise cash in the interim. Okay. So this is not financial advice by any means because Mm-mm. we cannot give that out. And uh, legal legal disclaimer Neither of us have any of the licenses for money advice anymore. Not, a, not anymore. <laughs> I, uh, not that we did at one time to Absolute, cover absolutely previous, not previous things. That not in, in not in any way to indicate an air of authority right. in any matter. Yes. Uh, if we did or language. did not have these licenses. Are having or not having had them does not construe any authority over our opinions about these things. Very specific language that comes from the ether, not from any practical need to have that very specific language. Absolutely. Um, but if you're feeling like you want to invest your money a little bit, maybe check out iBonds. And also, uh, after October 28th, they are going to refactor, and the rate of return will change, but still going to be like almost 7%, probably. So, you know, still a still a pretty sound investment, considering it's a guaranteed rate of return. Uh, you know, just don't buy them if you need money soon, because they're not liquid. Right. They're solid as a rock. They're absolutely solid. Here's a fun thing. Uh, you buy from Treasury Direct and you get uh, I-bonds virtually. If you buy I-bonds through almost any other means, uh, you actually have to take ownership of physical Treasury bonds and hold on to those and just trust that they're okay in the mail. I, uh, I'm i very surprised that virtual bonds exist because I thought the entire... The entire scam of bonds is that they're they're pla- they're they're hoping you lose the piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, I've um I've owned bonds before, and I've always had to take ownership of actual physical bonds, which just feels insane to me. Uh, but as long as you're sticking to your ten thousand dollar limit on Treasury Direct, you should be fine as far as electronic bonds go. 
which you know once again not not financial advice anyway skimpflation the butter is water and the coffee is fluffy i am sad about inflation um because uh i don't know it seems like we were taught about inflation in school uh cost of doing business it goes up so prices have to go up yada 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 but lately it seems like it's going up too much right I mean, we live in an extremely interesting economic environment where inflation is getting better, actually, very slightly. Um, we're probably going to be in some form of recession in the next 12 to 24 months. Also, in many categories of consumer goods, actually have never been cheaper. If anyone noticed, uh, Amazon, um, the favored service of this podcast, love Jeff Bezos, um, actually, I, I love Mackenzie Scott way more than I love Jeff Bezos. She's great. Uh, but if anyone noticed, there was a weird second Prime Day this year. Wait, there was? Yeah, it happened about a week ago. There was like a second. Oh. And it, it was actually much more of a deal than your regular Prime Day was. There was insane uh, deals all across Amazon, across multiple products, mostly uh, high-ish dollar consumer personal electronics. And the reason for that is because <clears throat> with inflation rising and prices generally rising, people have less money to spend on frivolous things. However, months ago, when the supply chain opened up, everyone forecasted that people would have a huge appetite for these things. When inflation wasn't as crazy and people had a lot of excess cash from career changes during COVID, uh, so Amazon has a ton of backstock of those things and then had to run essentially a fire sale on them. Uh, and, and this is going to be true in the coming months for places like Walmart and Target. There's just too much supply of these things. And you're probably going to get some pretty screaming deals. Man, it's a shame I don't need anything right now. Yeah, I'm not really into like buying personal electronics or TVs or anything, so I'm going to miss out. But hey, if you're in the market for those things, keep an eye out over the next few months. Uh, just what don't I... buy that water butter. No, don't get the water butter. Don't get the fluffy coffee. Uh, check the ingredients of the stuff you got in the pantry versus the stuff that's in the store. Just just do it. Check to see if what you're getting is what you think you're getting because uh, everybody's looking for shortcuts out here. And also, you know, if you have access to like a, a Sprouts or a, a local, like a natural grocers or even a Whole Foods, uh, bulk foods from small producers actually tend to be a little bit less reactive to changes in the CPI than other things. So maybe if your oats are getting a little expensive from Quaker, maybe buy some bulk oats from a local company. I don't know. That might, be a, a way, five? That might be a good way to go. Get a five-pound bag of oats and eat off of that forever. I mean, honestly, just 20-pound bag of rice, bunch of oats, you're set to go. I, I did want to have a, a quick aside in this conversation about uh, skimflation, which is in the running for the most boring things I've ever talked about on this podcast, uh, because I'm a boring man, that I actually found out through the news stories talking about the skimflation about the uh, website that first broke this news, and it is incredible. The website is incredible? The website that broke this news is actually... So it's called mouseprint.org. Amazing. What mouseprint.org... 
Org is is a late 90s style blog that does not appear to have changed its styling in any way for the past 20, almost 30 years. Amazing. And it is, from what I've been able to tell, the work of mostly one guy who calls himself Edgar, a.k.a. Mr. Consumer, (laughs) who reads the fine print on consumer goods to try to call out companies for ripping off consumers. And I was going through it, and the first page that I saw had maybe 20 stories of him combing through fine print about uh, various offerings from companies. There's 300 pages of these things. Going back years, this is an incredible deep dive that I've just begun on, but there's like a a very vocal community in the comment section on all of these stories. It's fascinating. Mouseprint.org. I love the name. Uh, I mean, that it sounds fascinating. Just, I, I love- just real quick. There's a story that this is talking about uh, the, the Scott tissue. Uh, virtually every brand of toilet paper has been downsized over the years, but Scott still has 1,000 sheets. Of course they reduced the size of each sheet multiple times, as we have reported a series of hyperlinks. <laughs> but the current size has remained the same since 2010. So besides raising the price, Kimberly Clark has also tinkered with the paper itself. And there's like quotes from shoppers. They're their own analysis and investigation. They talk about the fact that the amount of protein in the hungry man, double chicken bowls has changed from 39 grams of protein to 33 grams of protein. And they call out the fact that the chicken is less emphasized in the packaging and the macaroni and cheese is now more emphasized. It's incredible. Uh, I just, I, I, I have now navigated to the page. And I just wanted to read this little, it seems like a tagline for the entire site. Uh, We continue our series of little annoyances about ads, offers, and practices that are often real head scratchers, might make your teeth grind, or even chuckle. It's so good. I also love the lack of, uh, like, there's clearly... These logos are amazing because they're from a design aesthetic from about 20 or 30 years ago where and there's a clear like the logos are great but there's no there's no dot pinging of them like mm-hmm. no transparent backgrounds so it's just inexplicably white square on beige square amazing if you want to go back to late 90s early 2000s internet and also learn more than you ever wanted to know about the ingredients of melt organic margarine spread or uh let's see what else they've got cooking uh this is just more butter stuff oh a controversy about the change in the family size box of honey bunches of oats there we go now we're talking yeah in incredible they talk about the the fraudulent transition from family size to giant size this man, uh, this man has a watermark on these pictures. Edgar, aka Mister Consumer, is really doing the hard work for us. I do. I really appreciate this because there's no way me, an average idiot in a grocery store, one, I don't go to the store anymore, 
But even if I did walking down the aisles, I would not notice that, oh, hey, didn't that used to be 39 grams of protein? Why is it now 33 grams? I wouldn't notice that. And I also wouldn't notice the change of the design of the box. to lit to. They took away like an entire patty of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they and they moved the mac and cheese to the front. <laughs> moved it to the front. There's more lighting on the on the front of the bowl to get you to look at the mac and cheese. That's amazing. It it's really I I treasure the moments when you come across something on the internet where you're like this some this someone on the internet has been doing something I've never even thought of for almost 20 years and are doing a real bang up job about it. Yeah, no, I love there's a whole paragraph here entitled beware tricky cereal box size names warning you about like large size party size family size giant size and even mega size like the you gotta look at the ounces basically it's like the name doesn't mean what you think it means <laughs> this, this is amazing this is just like how to be a smart consumer there, there is a whole headline that says what barilla pasta is not made in italy <laughs> amazing <laughs> it's great I know. I I really, I do. I love this. Like this is, if I still taught like a, uh, like a, um, like a rhetoric class, if I still taught a writing class, I would show like, this is the dangers of like language and advertising. And then I would show this picture of family size Kellogg's cornflakes being 24 ounces. Then they downsize it to 18 ounces, but keep the same name. And then reintroduce a new giant size at the old family size. It's like, look, this is just manipulation using language that you're familiar with. This is this is this is what you need to be aware of when we're talking about propaganda and false advertising and fake news. I, I can't appropriately dis- express why I feel this way, but I think mouseprint.org is praxis. Oh, yeah, this is Praxis, for sure. In fact, there's a headline, Florida's natural orange juice goes rogue. (laughs) (laughs) These are the headlines. Every day I see headlines that, like, some celebrity doesn't... Oh, recently, James Corden banned from the Balthazar restaurant in in New York City. I hate that headline. (laughs) Florida orange juice goes rogue. (laughs) Now we're talking. Give me that story. Absolutely. If nothing else, it doesn't have James Corden in it. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are surprised, that's a real story. James Corden was, was pre past tense, uh, a band from the Balthazar, the Balthazar restaurant in, in New York City. Uh, if that makes you concerned or worried, don't worry. He called the owner of the restaurant and now the ban has been lifted because he apologized to the owner, not to the staff that he blew up on. But the owner. <laughs> oh yeah, that classic James Corden move. Listen, fucking class warfare on apologies. Like Jesus Christ, I hate James Corden in every way. Yeah, uh, and this is just one of them. Yeah, he's <laughs> James Corden is the kind of person who would ask to speak to your manager and and then he would do Gangnam Style at your manager. Yeah. <laughs> and then somehow you'd get in trouble. 
You'd get fired, yeah, for for the gang for the Gangnam for the Gangnam style. Hey, listen, I'm sorry. The most um, the most annoying man in the world did Gangnam style at me, so now you've got to get fired. <laughs> Look, man, he did the dance. The the ev- everyone in the restaurant clapped inexplicably, even though he was disturbing them too. <laughs> listen, I I know James Corden blew up at you and like threw a plate at the wall, but. If we don't let him back into the Balthazar, he's gonna like have Lin Manuel Miranda on his show, and and they're they're gonna do a flash mob to Pharrell's <laughs> happy, but oh then someone's gonna be holding it down with the Balthazar <laughs> sign, and it's over for us. It's a dark yeah. time. That's dark the time. real the real dangers of skimplation. Is uh, James Corden existing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, God skimped on his gifts to humanity when he decided <laughs> that James Corden should be among us. Look, look, inflation. I mean, the, the cost of doing godly business is high. I need to skip out on compassion, empathy, being a decent person on this one particular British entertainer. If there is any better example that deism is real and that God has left us alone since the creation of the universe. It's got to be James Corden. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's a famous, like, uh, miss taken out of context quote. Albert Einstein said like, God, I don't believe God plays dice with the universe or something. And, and then one, one of the students rebutted Yeah, in a couple of decades, there's going to be a British entertainer named James Corden and he's going to be an asshole, but inexplicably be on American television. Um, do you want to rethink your statement, Mr. Einstein? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, you know, there's this concept philosoph- philosophically called theodicy, and that's trying to square the existence of a loving God with the existence of James Corden driving around in a Hummer limo full of U.S. war criminals singing karaoke to Wrecking Ball. <laughs> That exists, right? You're not just that wasn't the hypothetical. It's That's got it's got to exist, right? Okay, yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah. Before James Corden, people are like, no, I don't think a benevolent <laughs> god would create evil in the world. I don't think that's a thing. And then James Corden existed, and a bunch of philosophers were like, okay, God might not be real. <laughs> yeah, who's the um? You know what? It's fine. Joyce Carol Oates, big theodicy guy. It's fine. Shrinkflation. Shrinkflation. It's coming. It's coming to a grocery store near you. But keep a lookout for those sweet, tasty Amazon <laughs> deals. Yes, I feel like I maybe uh, undercut the the point of my my initial thesis was you should probably buy local and buy bulk because those things. Yeah. Uh, number one, probably don't have the capital to change their formulation overnight. And also the prices probably aren't going to be as reactive because the supply chain is shorter. Right. Exactly. When you buy local, you're not paying trans those really expensive transportation costs that are like a huge factor in the, uh, the, the equation that is done to, to set the price at the store. Um, so yeah, if you cut out that transportation, boom, you're, you should be getting a, a, Pretty much the same deal as you were getting before. Yeah, I mean, under normal circumstances, you might be paying a little bit of a premium, but under current circumstances, you might be actually getting a slight discount for something of much higher quality. But hey, go on Amazon and buy a f- 85-inch 
OLED t- smart TV made by TLC. It collects all of your data and, <laughs> and, and it directly uh, pollutes the atmosphere. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's one of those steam powered, not steam powered, coal powered televisions. Yeah. You plug it into the coal outlet on the wall. Oh, but the picture, the picture's amazing. Oh, the, the blacks are so black. The, the colors are so vibrant. Yeah. You they got true believe, black. You won't believe how the series finale of lord of the rings the rings of power looks, looks on your 85 right. inch uh code name seal killer television <laughs> yeah so you mentioned like they've got this surplus of stock and now they have to have a fire sale to get rid of it and that's driving prices down which i guess is great for people who need that I need that for the service industry. I need, I need that for like a general contractor. I've, I've got some projects around the house we want to do. I, I need them to have so much surplus of service. Yes. Well, I mean, the supply chain gets a little trickier there. But when the uh, container ship full of skilled craftspeople <laughs> arrives you'll be in the clear yeah yeah I, i'm gonna need someone to discover in a warehouse they just have boxes full of very like artisan level craftspeople that have just been sitting there un unhired <laughs> yeah whole whole container ships full of cabinet hangers are arriving any day now yeah i've got a tv i want to mount and i don't want to do it myself i've got a kitchen that we want to remodel there's just a lot going on i mean give me 200 dollars. i'll mount that tv um i'm already giving you 200 dollars for your wedding <laughs> that's all anyway <laughs> Maybe my uh, shrinkflation. Also, uh, everybody, I mean, I'm getting married in a week and a half. Um, what the bills gonna... are smaller in the gift I'm giving you. <laughs> okay, are they I bonds? No, there's smaller dollar bills that oh, I, I see, shrunk I on purpose. Yeah, you uh, you shrinked them, you skimped them. I sk- uh, I, yeah, there are a lot of articles coming out right now, and not to um, end the podcast with. Uh, laughing at the uh, misunderstanding and misfortune of others, but there are a lot of articles of kind of mid to elder millennials who purchased their first home recently, because uh, unless you weren't aware, we are actually part of a generational cohort of people who don't actually come from like tremendous (laughs) uh, generational wealth and everyone in our cohort is kind of being able to afford a home at the same time, which contributed to the uh, white hot housing market. Oh, fuck that noise. There are a lot of articles uh, essentially saying with interviews of uh, mid to elder millennials who are saying, yeah, I bought my house when it was, you know, $650,000. And now the house across the street or the new build across the street typically is going up for sale for $480,000. I just wonder if like my insurance can compensate me for the rest. I'm like, I have very bad news for you. I have very bad news for you. And that's you have, you have entered into the period of your life where you make big bets on large ticket items and you are unfortunately bound to what the market is willing to pay for those things. And there is no form of recompense whatsoever for you. Uh, but that is a, a very a common feeling is people 
being upset that they knew they were buying a house during the hottest housing market of the last 20 years and uh, somehow being surprised that the value of their house went down. No, yeah, it, it's it's insane. Uh, and a lot of the ways a lot of people are going to come to the realization that uh, it makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> it, it, like you're locked in at the price you paid it. Unless you like, you can refinance your mortgage down the line for like a lower interest rate, but it doesn't really change the value of the house that you paid for way back when. And yeah, that, that determines so much. Like, if you read the mouse print, if you will, of your insurance policies on your home insurance, a lot of it is based on like 10% of the value of the house at the time you purchased it. Yeah. If if you bought a house during a hot housing market, you kind of lost out. And it once again, this is not financial advice, but as housing prices go down and rates go up, which are interrelated events, if yeah. you do buy a house that's cheaper with a higher rate, keep in mind you can refinance, date the rate, marry the price, uh, never... <laughs> never buy in at a higher price it's an investment and you know what at the end of the day investments pay off in the long term uh buying a house in any sane economy is almost never something that pays off in the short term the the way my our realtors uh the way our realtor framed it for us is like okay you're gonna buy at this price you're gonna have this low rate the housing market's going up and it might continue up. It might not. That really doesn't matter. The point is by the time you want to like leave this house and move to a bigger house, like for whatever reason, uh, I foresee, this is what he said to us. He's like, I foresee that this property is going to go up and in, in value that in 10 years, you can live here for 10 years and sell it back and you'll break even. I mean, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So that's what I keep in my mind. So when the housing market blew up right after that, I wasn't like, ooh, let's cash out, move to a bigger house. I was like, no, in 10 years, I'm aiming for breaking even. Like I will have lived in Austin for 10 years and break even. <laughs> I mean, tr- breaking even's not bad. I That's a good return on investment, honestly. that Because that's 10 years of living in a high-cost city. I mean, boom, you can't, you you can't ask for a better deal than that. Yeah. It's, it's just silly. If you bought a house during the white hot housing market, I, I do feel sorry for you. Keep in mind, real estate's a long-term game, probably going to appreciate, and you'll probably make a tidy profit on it eventually, especially if you live in like a mid to large American Metro. But if you're the kind of person who bought a house during the white hot housing market in a large American Metro, uh, you probably don't have issues with money. <laughs> so right. No, yeah. I'm not even I, talking to you right now. The thing to keep in mind for a lot of our fans is that uh, uh, property always appreciates. Yeah. It might not be as fast as you want it, and it, there might be dips for sure. But in the long run, it always appreciates. And listen, you just want a house that you like and you can hang out in and do your little tasks. Like that, at the end of the day, that's why you're buying a house. You're not buying yeah. a house to be investment opportunity. No. Uh, a lot of people during the white hot housing market got in thinking that would be the case. And no, you buy a house so you can tend to your little plants and you can make your little pancakes and you can go to sleep in a bed that you own. That's and really you don't. It. Yeah. And does not deal with a fucking landlord anymore. 
Oh boy, I can't wait. Oh boy, I'm fucking. Brother, you whether you live in a rental property or like an apartment, not having someone hanging over your head is it frees you up. Yeah, I. Uh, you and I will talk about this later, but it's we're conversations are starting but oh. that's not important to the podcast the house across the street from us is for sale yeah it is it's okay, just gonna anyway be, it's just gonna be like it's we'll talk about it right uh i just want to leave uh i so rather leaving you on a bummer note um i just have one headline i want to read we can't talk about it we're out of time but this is your Frightening headline of the week. Oh. Uh, This comes from Scientific American. The headline reads, The U.S. just lost 26 years worth of progress on life expectancy. (laughs) Oh, no. And on that note... On that frightening note, we're going to leave you to the bumps in the night, the... the spooky, the spookiness, the ghost and goblins, the super ghost and goblins, the sequel. And we're going to leave you there because now it's time to channel our psionic energies into summoning responses from you. That's right. If you want to reach beyond the pale and try to contact us, the dead, you can do so on Twitter.com by... Ouijiing at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And I believe Chainsaw Man John has the what that stands for. That's right. That stands for I hope those 26 years of lost life expectancy apply only to James Corden. That's exactly right. That is what that stands for indeed. And if you have a longer message for us, one that would be really annoying to spell out on a Ouija board, one painstaking letter at a time, you can send us an email, ooh, the spookiest of communiques, to email at zerocredits.net. Did I say that right? Is that her? Email at zerocredits, yeah. Yeah, email at zerocredits.net. I have COVID braid and thus can't remember things. Ooh, we are on every major podcast network minus, I think, just Stitcher, really. Uh, but we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pod. Chaser, good pods. If you found us on one of these great apps, leave, if you want, a rating and review on that app so we can increase our listenership on said app. That way we can spread our influence even further into the unsuspecting minds of the populace for our evil plot of giving everyone free entertainment. But the most important thing you can do in these here frightened times is to warn your fellow man of our impending encroachment onto the safety of the sanctity of their lives. That's right. Go out to your village square where Rob Schneider is going to protect you from a baddie and call out. Oh, zero credits. They are the only, what's the word, sanctuary in these dark times. 
Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. I, um, since I'm getting married in two weeks, I'm trying to avoid. You're going to be gone for two weeks. Yeah. Well, one week. I'm going to get a guess. I'm trying to avoid doing things that might injure me before my wedding, but it's so hard because I like to do activities that would break my bones. I want to kick things with my fibulas and tibulas and snap them and snap them at half, but I can't get married on a cast. Unless I wanted to look like a mummy. It is a Halloween wedding. I thought it was a Halloween rehearsal dinner, but just like a generally spooky wedding. Yeah, that's pretty much right. Okay. Everyone's invited. (laughs) Everyone who can hear this message. (laughs) That's not true. You have a head count. You've got... Don't lie to people. Yeah, we certainly didn't get an RSVP yesterday. <laughs> oh, not fuck. Co- not cool. Not cool. It wasn't us, right? <laughs> of course it wasn't you. Okay. You're in the wedding party. Oh, fuck. You're the groom. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Your wife is the bride. Ah, this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and from everyone here... At the zero credits, one married person, one engaged person, soon to be married. I don't want to define our lives by yeah. how married we are. We're, We're not just... the try guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just hope that I have as good of a relationship with my wife as that skinny man who tries things i truly don't understand what a try guy is from everyone here from the doesn't understand what a try guy is studios we want to wish you a happy goodbye goodbye good vibrato i know i was feeling it I really thought <laughs> I, I really thought the try guys were like a sexual thing. I they're not. <laughs> 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 <laughs>